I want to kind of run something by you. A couple of these things I've showed you before, but it's always good to stimulate your mind a little bit more. So take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And you know that um, we're not to do things just to be seen of men. Now, you are to be seen of men doing what's right. But that shouldn't be that you did it just for people to gloat over you and think that you're some great thing. Uh, you should be doing it because it's the right thing to do regardless of what people think. Always do right. Always do right. It's always right to do right. So there were some people there that Jesus had to deal with, and they did things to be seen of men. Look at me. And so um, look there in verse 1, chapter 6. Take heed that you do not your alms before men, your good deeds, you know, giving them money or you're praying and so to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. See, rewards are not just for doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing with the right motive. Why are you doing it? Did you do it for the Lord or just to be seen of me? Because if you do it just to be seen of people, well, when they praise you and honor you and glorify you, well, then you got your reward. But if you did it for the Lord, it doesn't matter whether people recognize it or not. You know God's going to give to you. What's the reason for, or what I should say, what does it say to the person who plants seeds? I mean, here's a farmer and he plants a seed. What does that mean? Why does he do that? Just by the mere fact that he plants a seed into the ground says something. It says something. But what does it say? Anybody got an idea? He believes in the future. He believes that it's going to work. Because if he doesn't, he wouldn't do it. So he believes that planting that seed is going to be worth it. And it's going to have fruit. There's going to be results from it. So the reason that we have, and it shows that you have faith and confidence in the Lord, is you keep planting his seeds. You just keep planting seeds everywhere you go. Is radio planting seeds? Yeah. Is the internet planting seeds? In church this morning, we're going to plant some more seeds. And as I teach, even this morning, I'm planting some more seeds. And Reformers Unanimous plant seeds. And a ranch plants seeds. And uh, every ministry we have a want a plant seed. You're planting seeds because it shows that you have confidence in the seed you're planting. Otherwise, why plant? Now, there's some people who never plant seed. They never live out of track. They don't say anything to anybody. Believe in the seeds because there's power in those seeds. There's power in the Word of God. So we believe that, and so we want to explain that. Now, if you will, look at this plate. I just want to show you this because it's so important. In verse 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have, and here's that three little words, glory of men. Now, here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the one that's telling you all of this stuff. And he's the one that knows the real reasons on why people do what they do. So he's telling them. And as you go down through this whole sixth chapter, you'll find the word, thy father, thy father, thy father, your father. Just look down through there, and you'll be surprised how many scriptures is talking about your father. In other words, 
we pray to our Father because we want to talk to the one that can do something about something. And he wants you to give him praise and honor and glory. And if you'll do that, he'll give it back to you. He will do the same thing back to you. But you see, if you rob it for yourself, well, then you just stole something from God that belongs to God. And he makes a statement in the book of Malachi 3.10. Well, a man robbed God. There he's talking about in tithes and offering. But you can rob God of praise, honor, and glory. That belongs to him. The credit belongs to the Lord. And you want to take it all from him and rob him and take it and put it upon yourself. So you have to be very careful. Now look down in verse 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I think preachers sometimes get carried away with a lot of preaching. They don't know when to quit. Mm. Now, I do my dead level best. I, when I came here, they told me, says, Yankee, never quit before 12. Well, really, they didn't say that. It was just on the third Sunday dinner I was told that. Because they may not be ready yet, and here's, you know, 200 people waiting to get in. So uh, we always try to make sure we go at that. But uh, you want to have some liberty, some freedom. And, uh, but he says, they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know, a short prayer, sincerely given to God, means more to God than just a lot of talking that's in vain. So whenever you read verse 8 down to verse 14 and so on, uh, and he gives them what many call the, the Lord's Prayer, it's not that he prayed this prayer, but it's a model. It's a way in how to pray that you honor your heavenly Father. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, all these things. Uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So it's a, a simple little, you know, way of praying. But he just said up there in verse 7, not to pray in vain repetition. And a lot of times people just simply pray the Lord's Prayer. And thinking that, well, I prayed. But I think the Lord wants more than just that. So as you go down through here, you see what some people consider the Lord's Prayer. Now we know, and we've mentioned this before, that John chapter 17 is probably what we would consider to be the real Lord's Prayer. So turn over there to chapter 17. The book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now we know that we are out of the world. We know that we were in the world. We know that we're hated by the world, and we know that we're not of the world, but we do know that we were sent into the world, and there was a reason so that uh, those that would believe on Christ could be taken out of the world, just like the rest of us. Now, where does it say in the Bible that when we trusted Christ as our Savior, we were translated into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear Son, translated out of the kingdom of darkness, Where's that found? Is it anywhere in the Bible? Maybe I just made that up. Maybe it's not in there anywhere. Okay, very good. Colossians in chapter 1. Okay. So we know where that's found. And it talks about us being translated into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God. And that was by your faith in Jesus Christ. And so something happened. The day that you trusted Christ as your Savior. Now look there in John chapter 17 and verse 1. We often talk about, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? 
Well, if you know the Lord, it's because you have eternal life. If you can't say, I have eternal life, you can't say you know the Lord. You can't know the Lord without having eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. That's why if you want to know the Father, you have to know the Son. And if you reject the Son, you cannot have the Father. And God says in his word, John 14, 6, that no man cometh unto the Father except through him, through Jesus Christ. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me, Jesus said. So notice what he says in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he says, Father, the hour is coming. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Now, remember in the book of John in chapter 7, when he says on that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, Any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the scripture hath saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For as yet Christ was not yet glorified. Here he's talking about glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So before the world ever was, Jesus was. And he existed and he was with the Father and he had the the glory. And so now he's saying glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. See there in verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now, doesn't that take it back before the birth of Christ? Yeah, Jesus Christ has always been. And anyway, when he makes these statements, knowing God is having eternal life. So he does say that there's a time when you're not going to just ask every man, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Because everybody will know the Lord. Isn't that something? There's coming a day when They'll all know the Lord. And uh, you might read that over in the book of Hebrews, but we won't go there right now. But look what he says here in uh, verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So does it mean that he can only give eternal life to as many as God gives to him? So well, maybe God won't give everybody to him. But before you read this verse, of course, you've already read another verse over there in the book of John chapter 6. And remember, John is writing this not as it's happening. He's writing this after it's all happened. So in this one prayer alone, though it's happened before Christ was crucified, before he came back from the dead, John writes it as though it already has taken place because it had. It was already done. But he prays this prayer, Jesus does, knowing the future. Saying things that you and I would not be able to say and do. But believing what God says is true, you act upon it now. Even though I don't fully understand everything, I know that I have a new birth. Why? Because God says so. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. Why? Because I... Know the God's word says so. But look what he says here in verse 2 where he makes a statement that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now, hold your place right here and look there in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 
And you'll notice what he says here. Look in verse 37. All that the Father giveth me. All that the Father giveth me. And he can't give them unless they're saved. He will give them to him. And you look down here where he says in verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So it is the Father that draws us through the gospel. So when you hear the gospel, that message draws. There is power in that message. That's why you cannot determine if people are going to believe or not believe simply because you look at their countenance and they scare you half to death. Trust the power of the message. And you'd be surprised how many people will trust the Lord if they only hear it and understand it. Some people will give you a hearing and some people won't. But if you give the gospel and you plant the seeds, the Lord draws a person with the gospel. And he says, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And he was lifted up and he is drawing. And he draws by the Holy Spirit revealing to a person that they are sinners. They need to be righteous. And the prince of this world is judged and you're going to be. And, and those that do not believe. So you need something. And the gospel is the power that we present. And the Lord draws a person. And so... When a person responds to the gospel and they trust Christ as their Savior, all those who are born again, in the book of Isaiah in 53, it says, He will give them the seed for his inheritance. In other words, what does Christ get for what he did? Well, he gets the reap the benefits. So the Father gives to the Son, and you're not we're we're the bride of Christ. And we're going to be given. To the Son. So it is here, and it's chapter 6. But see, we already read all of these things, so by the time you get over there to his prayer, you know what he's talking about. You have a little bit better understanding. Now, go back there to the book of John, chapter 17. Where he has made this statement here. He will give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So God used John to write the Gospel of John, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, and what? Revelation. Revelation. And so God used him to write this, and in the book of 1st John, chapter 5, it says, and this is the true God and eternal life. So when you have the Son, you have life. You can't have eternal life without the Son. And if you have the Son, you have life. And you can't have the Son unless you've got eternal life. You can't have eternal life. That's why he said, he that hath the Son hath what? Life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. So if you have the Son, you have eternal life. So you have people, oh yeah, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Do you have eternal life? Well, I don't know. Wait a minute. You've got a problem. So you've got to explain some things. And when Christ says, I'll never leave you and never forsake you, then eternal life can never leave you, and eternal life can never forsake you, because he is the life. And so he makes this statement in verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth, 
In other words, everything that Christ did was to bring glory and honor to his Father, never to himself. But now he knows that time is coming. He's going to come back from the dead. And what did God say in the book of Philippians in chapter 2 that would be done for the Son? He said, I want you to have this mind be in you that was in Christ. That though he was equal with God, thought it not Robert to be equal with God, but he had this kind of a mind that he humbled himself and became a servant, and a servant even unto death. Were the by, but the Bible says that God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that in Jesus Christ every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this day is going to come. Not everybody bows the knee to Jesus, but one day they will. Some it will probably be too late. Well, I know it will. But he makes a statement, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, he finished the work. He hasn't died yet, but he knows what he's going to do. That's why I don't believe that he had any problem about him going to the cross and paying for our sins. And even though there was some fear involved and so forth in the garden, I believe it refers to something else. But in verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And then notice, when it says here in verse 6, out of the world. See, there's some prepositions that are used down through here that kind of gives us an idea that um, uh, we were in the world, and we are in the world. We were part of the world. We were born in sin. We live in sin. But if we die in sin, we're lost. So when we're born in sin, and we live in sin, but then we trust Christ as a Savior, God says you know more there. He sees you in the Spirit. And you die there. It's the old man that perishes and dies away. But he says in verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. It's like saying all of this on the other side of the cross after he's already done everything. But he hadn't done everything yet. But this is his prayer. He's talking to the Lord as though it's done. He knows the future. And he says, I have lost none of those that you gave to me. And there's two things that i like to just bring out about that. But you'll see that in just a second. Now look what he says here in verse 8. For I have given them the words which thou gavest me. Isn't that all we do? Just giving others the word which thou hast given to us. And in the book of Timothy in chapter 2... We give to others that they may give to others. In other words, it's just over and over and over again. And we keep planting the seeds. We keep reading the word because we're planting the seeds in our mind. If you have confidence in the word and really believe that the word is the word, well, then you don't mind planting the word more so in your mind than in somebody else's mind. Because you can always keep out tracks but never plant any more seeds in your mind. Always be reading, always studying, always letting God's Word seep into your mind because, remember, it will affect you just like it's supposed to affect other people. If the Word of God doesn't affect you, you won't have much confidence in giving it to somebody else. But mainly it's because you don't yield to what the Word says. Obey it. It will have results. So in verse 8 here he says, 
and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. And they believed that. But he says, there's somebody that did not. But he makes a statement in verse 11. Verse 11. And now I am no more in the world. Well, we, he's still there. But when he, when he prayed the prayer. But he's saying it as though it's already passed. That's, that's confidence in the future and in his father. He knew how it was going to end. You and I, we don't have that privilege of knowing what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. We just have to trust the Lord. But the one that knows the future, remember, uh, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds the future. That's a good song. How many of y'all ever heard that song? All right. A few of y'all have heard that song. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. It's a good song. But anyway, he says here in verse 11, but these are, look at, in the world. But you're out of the world. You're separate from the world, but you are in the world. And because you're in the world, the world is going to hate you. And the world does hate. And he says here in verse 11, Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thine name, those that thou gavest me, I have kept. None of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, who do you think that's talking about? Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition. And uh, you'll notice also something else. He said, well, see, that showed that he was saved, but now he's lost. And Christ lost him. Well, well, well. How do you get out of this little dilly? Notice what he says here. Look in John 18 and verse 9. 18 and verse 9. When Jesus was on, or in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember the um, soldiers and all came to, to take him. And so he said there in verse 5, Then answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. Let these go their way. Now, these refers to his disciples. And he wanted to let them go. Now, remember, Judas stood with them, the others. He did not stand with Christ and the disciples. And then he says in verse 9, That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake, Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. So he didn't want the disciples to try to defend him. He didn't want any of them killed or whatever, but let them go that the scripture might be fulfilled, that he didn't lose any of them. Now, there's two things. One, we know that when you trust Christ as Savior, he's already promised to never cast you out, never lose you. The prayers also look at the end of the life of Christ, not during it. He's at the end of it and praying as though it's already been fulfilled and the answer has been done. And the only one that was lost 
was Judas, and the Lord knew that. And when you read chapter 13 of the book of John, it says that Jesus knew about Judas, and the devil entered into Judas and caused him and said to him to what to do. And Jesus says, before they had communion, whatsoever thou doest, do quickly. And he went out into the night and so on. So the Lord knew. Even in the book of John chapter 6, hold your place right there, but look in John chapter 6. Jesus had made some statements that were pretty difficult for some to understand. And he says, does this offend you? This is a hard saying. Who can understand what you're talking about? You know, drinking my blood and eating my flesh and all. So he says here in verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. So if he knows who believes and who does not believe, do you think Jesus could have known that Judas did not believe? And he says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Jesus says right here, he knew that the one who was going to betray him did not believe. So you can't say Judas was saved. No, the scripture says Jesus knew those that did not believe and some who they were and that they would uh, betray him. Then he says this, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back, walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And get this, we believe. So he's speaking for all of them. We believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus had a word to say. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? One of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him. That he hadn't done it yet. So this was knowledge that he had before Judas did it. And the other scripture is knowledge that would be taking place before he actually did it. But it's written as though he prayed it before it ever happened. 